Here we are, another Locked On NFL alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. We're taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Thursday, which means our friendly guest, Mike Sando of The Athletic, will be joining us in just one second. We will welcome him on the show. But first, I do want to remind everybody that you can subscribe, rate, review this show. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL, and you can find Mike Sando at Sando NFL and all of his work at theathletic.com. Mike, how are you on this fine, well, it's Wednesday evening, but this is for the Thursday morning podcast. Yeah, doing great. Good to be here. What do you guys think? We talked a lot of quarterbacks here on the show, and obviously there's been a ton of quarterback news this week. Saints losing Drew Brees, but not for the whole season. The Steelers losing Ben Roethlisberger for the whole season. I want to touch a little bit on that. And then the other big one, obviously, and we had some press conferences the last couple of days with Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. Daniel Jones, the rookie, number six overall pick is in. Eli Manning is out. I want to hear what you guys think about the Hall of Fame conversation there. Is Eli in? Is he a straight-up lock because of New York and two rings? Well, I'm one of the voters and, you know, I take it pretty seriously, the job and don't try to have, you know, my opinions made up in advance. I think there's a reason we spend the whole day in that room and really prepare um, to do it. Um, But at the same time, I think we've, you know, been watching certain players for so long. For me, my criteria, uh, starting out with players is, hey, were you the best at your position or at least one of the top couple and for how long? So like, for example, uh, I am the guy for the Seattle market. That's where I live. So if there's a Seahawk player up, I would present their case. So Walter Jones came up a few years ago. Okay. And it's just like, well, of course he was the best tackle, you know, for years and maybe one of the best players in the entire league. He goes in, um, Steve Hutchinson is up, you know, now, um, same sort of deal. He was dominant. Absolutely. The number one guy, Eli Manning, I think he's had a really good career. He's been a stand-up guy. He's won two Super Bowls, which you know he played a big role in. But the thing I think we have to ask is, was he ever the one of the very best quarterbacks? You know, and for how long of this era? You know, you would probably name. Would you name five or six guys? Seven, eight, nine, ten before you got to him, Matt? I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I actually just wrote this article. It went live today, and. To sum it up, I said, I think Eli will go into the Hall of Fame, but doesn't deserve it. And I know that sounds rough, but hey, it's not for everybody. It's a tough criteria. And a couple of things that stood out to me when I do in the research was it just so happens that Ben Rivers Manning all rank six, seven, eight in total yards thrown ever. You know, I mean, Breeze, Manning, Favre, Brady, Marino, that's who's ahead of those three that were all drafted together. Um, he also is eighth all time in touchdown passes, 362 of them. Uh, most people will say he's run two rings. He should go to the hall of fame. And I get that, but so did Jim Plunkett. And if quarterback wins are really a star, a, a stat, I just figured out that in the regular season, Eli was 116 and 116, you know? So if you're going to give him credit for he's a winner, he's won two Super Bowls. Well, he's exactly 500 as a regular season starter. He's also thrown an awful lot of interceptions. I mean, only 13 quarterbacks ever have thrown more interceptions. And in three different times, three different seasons, he led the league in interceptions thrown. 
So to me, like what you were saying, and also I want to say one other thing. In the, it, they, he does have a good postseason record. You know, he, he won eight out of 12 games. But in those 12 games, the Giants averaged just 19, a little over 19 points a game. I mean, it was mostly defense in, the, in all of the, the postseason success that the games Eli was in. And to wrap it up, I never thought he was a top five player at his position, probably always a top 10 when he was at his best, but never Rodgers, Brady, Marino, Ben, Breeze, you know, there's five off the top of my head. I think they're defensively, you know, teams kind of wanted to play him. You know, they, they yeah. you know, you knew he's going to throw a couple your way during the game. You're going to have a chance. And uh, there was healthy respect for him, I think, and for his career. I mean, I think he's always handled things the right way. I mean, he's been the perfect Giants quarterback. They've won two Super Bowls with him. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of respect that he's earned. And I think if you talk to, if you just pay attention to the reporters who've covered him a long time, there's like a reverence for him now as he's retiring. I mean, there's just people are tearing up, you know, as they <laughs> uh, see this guy go. And we're approaching it from, you know, different markets and a little bit more detached. So apologies to those of you who were emotionally attached to his, uh, you know, tenure. I mean, I, th- I think if there is a time here to pay respects for what he's done. If But talking about the Hall of Fame, to me, I, I do believe that, like, you know, you, you needed to be a dominant player, like a feared player. Um, and the question with him will be, hey, was he in the playoffs? I mean, he had ice water in his vein in the playoffs and took him there. And that counts for something. You know, we can't just yeah. wipe that out. I mean, that has to be part of the conversation. So, like I said, I have not made up my mind, but, you know, just off the top, hey, does he fit in that category of he was, the you know, at the absolute best or apex? I didn't feel like he was, you know, that just a great, great quarterback all the way through. Do you think Rivers is more deserving than Eli? I think the answer is yes. And my last note on Eli is I think just because you played these last two years and put up some stats, cumulative stats, they didn't help his cause. He was a bad player for the last couple of years. Well, yeah, the cumulative stuff doesn't – I mean, if you if you play quarterback long enough, um, you're going to put up a bunch of yards. And yards yeah. now don't mean what they meant in the past. No, right? I mean, right, right. I mean, I can remember when Dave Craig retired, he was in the top 10 for yards. I mean, you want to have talk about him, you know? Right. Um, and – so, you know, who were you asking me about? Uh, oh, I think Rivers. Rivers, is Rivers yeah. Yeah, like to me, Rivers is a uh, – Rivers definitely was a, you know, a top three or four quarterback probably for six years. Uh, six, yeah, career, six, seven years. So I don't think that just makes him a slam dunk. But, I mean, I think he was a better uh, – you know, at his best, a better quarterback and still is. I think, he, you know, mm-hmm. Rivers can really help himself by – advancing in the playoffs one of these years, you know, and really getting there, maybe having a Super Bowl season. It's going to be hard when you got Mahomes in your division, but I think that would really help him. All right, let's step aside here, and I actually have some more questions about the Hall of Fame from a voter in Mike Sando and uh, talk about a few other quarterbacks around the league after this. This podcast is brought to you in part by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code Locked on. Mike, I have a question when it comes to Hall of Fame voting and how much that the markets make the difference. You talked a little bit about it and your voting from Seattle is uh, it, it does the New York market sort of overwhelm things there. And because when I think of Eli Manning and I think of the two rings is probably, you know, with the cumulative stats is probably enough to get him in. But I think the New York market makes it a slam dunk and how much coverage they get over 
say, a quarterback if he was maybe playing in a different market? Do you think that makes a big difference? And how much does that come up when the conversation happens when you guys are actually doing the voting? Oh, yeah. I think it, I think it, being in a big market helps anybody who uh, just to be known, you know, um, if he'd been playing in Arizona or Seattle, um, you know, he would be less known. But but he also they won two Super Bowls. So anyone who wins Super Bowls is going to be known. I don't think he'd be an unknown. But I do think it helps if you're um, in that market and play in that market. And, um, you know, whether you're Curtis Martin playing for the Jets or Eli Manning playing for the Giants, um, it has to help to be in the big market and well-known. I, I don't think that, you know, the, that the guys you've gotten in from there aren't necessarily deserving. <laughs> but, you know, there's a little bit more work to be done when you're um, advocating for somebody uh, from a smaller market, especially if they're a different position, you know, than quarterback. I think Cortez Kennedy was somebody I advocated for. Uh, and it, you know, How about took, like Kevin Mawai versus Hutch? Yeah, okay, exactly. Well, Kevin Mawai was in Seattle for four years and no one knew it, you know. And then, <laughs> uh, it's true. I mean, he left yeah, his great right. He was a big signing by the Jets and he had a great career with multiple teams, but um, he started getting the Pro Bowl acclaim when he went to the Jets. Was he way better with the Jets when he was with Seattle when he didn't go to any Pro Bowls? No, I don't know. I, I think you're just less known sometimes in some markets. And uh, I think ultimately, though, you know, sometimes it takes time, but the great players, the best guys um, do get in. I think the best example of it, and it's not a Hall of Fame example, but I remember when I started seeing Justin Tuck in Subway commercials, I was thinking, nobody knows who Justin Tuck is. That's just a, even a casual football fan with, you know, usually would have his helmet on, but he was in New York. They were winning Super Bowls. And all of a sudden you start seeing this guy in commercials. And I was thinking, man, there's people out there that are probably saying, who the heck is Justin Tuck? But uh, <laughs> that's the big market for you. Yep. One question I have about the Hall of Fame as well, and this is about the museum part of things, and I've talked about this before uh, with Matt, and I had to look up the the gentleman's name, and it's the president of the Hall of Fame is David Baker, correct? Yep. Yeah, and so he's the guy that knocks on the people's doors and lets them know, guess what, you're in the Hall of Fame. And I want to know, and I don't know if you know, but what is the process of him stealing basically memorabilia from the field. I saw him with white gloves on on the sideline when Drew Brees broke the record for, what was it, completions uh, last, was it last year? I think it was 2018. Uh, a year before. Yeah, yeah, and he shows up on the sideline with white gloves and, and t- takes the ball and white. takes stuff. And I was wondering, like, oh, man, what you know? What if Drew Brees is like, I kind of wanted to keep this ball, and he shows up <laughs> and, and steals all this memorabilia. And I was like, who's this guy stealing all the good stuff? And, um, and I always hear about, you know, someone's jersey or someone's cleats went to the hall of fame and i'm sure it's a huge honor for the player so they have no problem with it but i always think it's very interesting is how much power this guy has he gets yeah. to be the grim reaper knock on people's door and and get all this great memorabilia for the hall that's awesome yeah you know and, and stuff is there i don't know if it's is it on loan there is it there forever you know could drew Brees get it back later if he wanted to <laughs> right. i'm not sure how that works because they obviously don't put everything on a big display forever it may be there warehoused or archived but uh that's a good one. Yeah, he does show up with the white gloves. And they're big gloves, let me tell you. He's about he's about six nine. Oh really? <laughs> oh, David Baker's one of the largest guys you've ever seen. You know, his son used to be the left tackle for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, uh, oh, wow. Sam Baker. Yep, Sam Baker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And David Baker used to play college basketball. Um, he's a, a big guy. Big so yeah, he's a very big dude. So he, when I first before I really knew him, I was like, Oh, did he play in the NFL? Uh, he did not, but he is very involved in the NFL and the Hall and uh, has really helped grow the Hall of Fame. 
if Ben Roethlisberger d- never plays another snap, he's in, right? Yes. Yes, I think so. Okay. I want to talk about. And it might not. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows? But uh, I and so many of these quarterbacks in that era are just all. It just seems like they're all going to go in. The the guys that are they're close. They're at least going to all make it in. And I don't know who the best one that doesn't get in will be, but I think in the end, Rivers will make it. Eli will make it. Ben. And obviously, Freeze, you know, Brady, yeah, the top guys for sure will be in Rogers, there. Rogers, right, right. No, you're right. So it'll be interesting. It's an interesting era. And especially it'll be very interesting when those guys are gone. And we've talked a lot about that. Uh, I want to move on a little bit here. And this is kind of the, the new NFL that we're living in now. And Jamal Adams, who, by the way, just tweeted. He had a tweet just as we're starting the podcast here that says, quote, This league is a damn joke. I just got fined $21,000 for this hit. And he has a video of his first quarter roughing the passer against the Browns Monday night. He says, I signed up to play football, not two-hand touch. B.S. I don't give a damn about these soft rules protecting quarterbacks. I'm going to play my brand of football every time I step on the field, shaking my head. And uh, he was benched, actually, at the very end of that game. Seemed like he was upset about it. Unfollowed. Get this, guys. He unfollowed the Jets account on Instagram. Oh, my goodness. How does, (laughs) how do they, how do they mend this? How do they come back from that type of disrespect? Well, it's funny, though, you know, we're talking uh, before we're recording a little bit about this. And and I I don't think I mean, sure, players are different this way or that way. But I mean, players have been upset and frustrated over this type of thing forever. And I think there's just new ways of showing it, you know, and we have access to what people are thinking all the time. All you what you're thinking, what I'm thinking. I mean, people are tweeting every five minutes. um, And so it can make it more interesting though you know i think we are in an era where players can you know talk their way out of a team or or inflame a situation or or say things that they may might not necessarily be in the best interest of keeping the peace so this is worth following i mean i know it's silly unfollowed him and all that but you know he's ticked off the jets are losing he's saying he's being benched adam gase is saying well not really we're just taking out late in the game you know to help you calm down a little bit hopefully for everybody it just sort of blows over he's a good football player um but i think there's a lot of defensive guys who are frustrated with you know you can't do this or that to the quarterback and it's been that way it was that way 30 years ago yeah and you're right though i mean we've seen antonio brown um to a much much lesser degree minka fitzpatrick jalen ramsey maybe any minute now you know a lot a lot of these dudes kind of saying clowny I'm unhappy here. I want to trade. I want the world to know it. And they kind of get their wish nowadays as opposed to, you know, well, you're only making 75 grand a year. Tough crap. You know, we're, we're in control here. The players kind of do have a say. Oh yeah, no doubt. And any player should try to, you know, not ignore leverage if they have it. I mean, I think we would all like everybody to act in the interests of the team, but remember, um, that's easy to say when you're not one of the players. You know, you mm-hmm. you got to look out for yourself sometimes too. And I'll put it to you, Matt. And I I love Jamal Adams. I think he's one of the best safeties in the NFL. I think he's better than Minka Fitzpatrick. They're a little bit different style. Uh, you know, Minka's probably a better man cover guy than Jamal Adams is. But he but Jamal Adams is uh, his instincts and the way he plays and sort of a culture changing guy. Which is I, I'm surprised that Jamal Adams would be the type of guy that would ask out. But I kind of thought that about Minka too because leadership is one of his things. But you also don't want to tie yourself to a losing franchise for your whole career. So I would understand if Jamal Adams was upset and, and maybe felt like maybe he would want to go somewhere else. What do you think it would take for a team to get Jamal Adams? If he did say, you know what, maybe I do want out of New York. 
A lot. I mean, I, I've said a few times that I think Adams and Derwin James might go down as this generation's Troy and Ed. You know, I mean, we talked about Hall of Fame and being the best at your position. I think he's knocking on the door to being that. You know, I, mean, I think he's really that type of player. Um, young. Uh, all the things you heard about him were off the chart leadership, all those type of things. But, man, it would be really frustrating to be a Jet or a Dolphin right now, too. I mean, some of these dudes, Minka, Adams, super competitive, come from, you know, went to colleges that won a lot of games. They were big reason why. And you look around and think, boy, I got no chance of winning. Yeah, but a month ago, everybody was saying how Darnold's passes haven't hit the ground once during camp and how bright the future is. So, you know, I, th- I think yeah. if Darnold comes back, you know, they're in the early stages under a first-year coach. I mean, I think they played two games this year, so – uh, They're not I the same would, shoes as the Dolphins. I didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think right. the Dolphins, Minka's like, you know, hey, this ship is going down. I would like to be on one of the life rafts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Great point. And uh, when it comes to the Jets, have you heard Rich Eisen's idea about the Jets trying to out-tank the Miami Dolphins and keep them from getting Tua and then using the number one pick and saying, no, sorry, Dolphins, you can't trade for this and trading the rights to Tua to another team instead? <laughs> you know, Rich must have an incredible brain power to come up with that. I mean, or a lot of time. How did he come up with that? That that would be the dastardly it. plot. It's genius. Yeah. If you're going to be, I mean, if you're the Jets and you end up like picking a long game. Yeah. If you end up picking top three, top five, why not lose one or two more games, lose those Dolphins games of which there are two. And to there do you go. that, what you do is you, you send Darnold out on a date so he gets mono, right? And then, <laughs> That's how it starts. And then you're like, you're rolling Simeon out, you know, to the side. So he's going to get crumpled. And then... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good start. Hard strategy. Yeah, they literally did not block Miles Garrett a couple times. So maybe there is something to it. Oh, you try blocking and Even when they try, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I want to move along. I want to talk Jalen Ramsey and the Jags. And, of course, we'll preview that Thursday night football game. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Whether you're betting on the 49ers, betting on some of the other games around the league, make yourself a little cash with my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit MyBookie.com. A-G. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. So another player that is upset and it looks like he very well could be headed out of Jacksonville is Jalen Ramsey, who's probably one of the top two or three, if not the best cornerback in the NFL right now. Uh, I believe it was Jason LaConfora who reported that there was maybe three teams that were most involved in the pursuit of Jalen Ramsey. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Matt and I earlier this week had talked about how the Chiefs and the Eagles do make a lot of sense for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it's going to cost a first plus, according to reports. Man, I just he's such a great player. It's going to be, I think, worth it for whatever team that 
that gets him. And if you're the Chiefs, uh, Seahawks or Eagles, really any of those teams, that could really help put those defenses over the top. You're just a great player. And I think, you know, would you trade a first-round pick for somebody who's better than what you're going to get with a first-round pick? You know, that's the way I look at it. It's like I'd rather have the guy who's better than the person I'm going to pick. So he's 24 years old. Um, Of course, you need to make sure that he's, you know, that the issues that he's had in Jacksonville and clashing with the coach and stuff that, you know, you feel reasonably confident you're in a position to not have those things happen and be a problem because you're going to have to pay him a lot of money too. But it sounds like a, you know, pretty rare opportunity to get somebody that outstanding who's that young, seems competitive. You know, if you could channel some of the competitiveness away from distraction, maybe you do that by bringing him into an environment where, you have some leaders and you have some winning culture. You know, those teams you mentioned have won a lot of games. Yeah. I, I said it earlier in the week. I thought the Eagles and chiefs would make perfect sense. Having a hard time coming up with a third that would be in their neighborhood. Um, and you're right. I mean, great player. Maybe if I had any corner in the league, he would be my choice and immensely talented and competitive, but seems volatile. And I do think, You know, to trade for him now, make a Super Bowl run, especially if you're one of those teams, is very little risk. But kind of like Khalil Mack, like you mentioned, Mike, he's going to be expensive with draft picks and then really expensive with real money. So it's not like he's not without risk because the payment to get him is immense when you combine those things. Yep, it is. And usually usually you wouldn't want to do that, right? You wouldn't want to right. give up a lot of good draft capital for the right to overpay somebody. <laughs> right, um, right. You're I paying twice. That, Sorry. Yeah, so I think what you have to then take into account is, okay, is it a really important position? Is yes. he really young? Yes. And is he really elite? You know, you, gotta, you have to really, like, check all the boxes for me mm-hmm. um, to do like that. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're a team, you know, you know, unless it's like if you're desperate for a quarterback and have to get one, I think you give up more for a guy who may not be a Hall of Famer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think at the other positions, you've got to really make sure you're getting someone special. And somehow Jalen Ramsey is still only 24 years old, which is crazy. So a long career most likely be- ahead for him. Yeah. And with, with wow. his his attitude and, and how brash he is and confident – he it's not a lot of off the field stuff either with him and his competitiveness, I think gets a hold of him a little bit, but it reminds me most of a young Richard Sherman. So if you were trading for a more athletic 2012 version of Richard Sherman, uh, I think most teams would, would be fine with that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how it goes. If that bird bridge is totally burned there. Jacksonville is just a weird place to me, you know, with Coughlin there and, and yet their team seems out of control half the time, you know? Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure what they're building. A couple of years ago when Eli Manning got benched, I don't know how they didn't figure out a way to get for Coughlin to get Eli to Jacksonville when he had that great defense and it looked like all they were was, you know, Blake Bortles holding them back from being a very, very good football team. I would have liked to see, you know, rewrite history a little bit and maybe two years ago when Eli was playing a little bit better, uh, have him on the Jacksonville Jaguars instead of, Blake Bortles and see where that team could have gone. Yeah, I just don't think the Giants were going to do that. You know, I think that Eli Manning, who has a no trade clause, you know, is wants to retire a Giant. I kind of expect him to. You know, um, we'll see. But it just feels like that's a marriage that isn't going to be broken up. And we have the Jaguars tonight, Thursday night football at home. They are welcoming the one and one Titans. Jaguars 
0-2, and I'm actually surprised the line is this small. Tennessee only favored by two points. I think I would put all my money on Tennessee uh, beating Jacksonville with the way things are going over there by more than two points. But the Jacksonville Jaguars apparently won't be trading Jalen Ramsey before Thursday. Maybe Friday is when they move him along if they do. Matt, I was going to ask you, are you afraid, you know, Gardner Minshew came in for Jacksonville in the first game and, you know, house money, right? I mean, he, he completed sure. almost all the passes and had really good numbers um, against Kansas city. And then they went and played Houston and it was a, you know, a, a grinded out game where no one was really putting up a ton of numbers. It was low scoring. I, my fear for Jacksonville um, is that, they, they look a little bit more like the Jets did without a quarterback. You know what I mean? That, that, that sort of the, what, that we've almost seen the best of Minshew in that first game. And I don't have, I'm not basing this on that I scouted Minshew or anything like that. Um, and he may be the next great Kurt Warner find, but more often than not, those guys aren't. And sure. And you start to get exposed a little more over time. You're playing a, you know, you're playing Dean Pease and a pretty good defense, right. In Tennessee. Um, this seems like it could be tough sledding. I agree with you. I, I mean, a couple things I've really noticed about Minshew, to his credit, is wow. I mean, he's amazingly calm, patient, doesn't flinch, holds the ball, comfortable, however, whatever word you want to do to describe it. Maybe even too much. Like, this is easy. I mean, like nothing to it, you know, like I, and not frenetic at all. And his movements or, you know, rushing things. And that's impressive, but I'm glad you brought up Dean Pease. Cause I threw out a tweet yesterday or the day before saying, I think the Titans are maybe the most underrated, well-coached team in the league. And a lot of that's because of the coordinators, but I'm also a Vrabel fan. I think Pease, you know, go watch them play the, the Browns. I mean, Baker had no idea what was coming. I don't think Minshew will have any idea what's coming. And if he is going to hold the ball as a good trade or not, he's going to get hit a lot. I mean, Cam Wake and these guys can still play. That's a good defense. And I just think if you let Tennessee play their game and keep handing it to Henry, and in some regard they're both similar this way, they're just going to win. You know, I mean, they're better at the line of scrimmage. I think Jacksonville's in for a really long year and get beat pretty soundly on Thursday night. Yeah, I've, I kind of think they're in for a long year too, and not everybody agrees with that, but um, I just think it's hard. I think it's hard when you get the backup quarterback. It doesn't feel like they're all on the same page. Yeah. And, um, so I, I see it pretty much the same way. I don't know there's going to be a blowout, but I've, I feel like it's going to go Tennessee's way. Mm-hmm. Matt, how far do you think Marcus Mariota can take the Titans if everything else holds up there? I hate talking about him because I'm a believer. I've been very much in his corner. I like a lot of what he's done, but man, shouldn't you have shown me a little more by now? And I know there's been injuries and different coaching changes and not enough around him, but usually by this stage of their career, and wasn't it Bill Walsh who used to say that if you haven't done it after three years, you're not going to do it at this position that I wonder if he's always going to be a low-end starter, non-dynamic player. And to answer your question, not very far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that division's wide open, so I Mm -hmm. think he could take them to the playoffs because of that. But it's not so much him taking them as him going along with them. You know, he's sort of – I feel like he's uh, trying to win with them more than him um, 
you know, elevating you. And it's too bad for, you know, a top two pick, but that's the nature of drafting quarterbacks, right? They're, they get so overvalued because they're, they're worth more uh, mm-hmm. on the team. And look, Seamus Winston is not exactly leading his team, elevating his team either. I love the way Daniel Jeremiah talks about quarterbacks and the way he puts it is, are you the truck or are you the trailer? And mm-hmm. it really seems right now that Marcus Mariota is more of the trailer for the Titans. Yeah. What oh, percentage yeah. of the time are you playing for the other team? Right. Right. I mean, I've also heard it described. I use that truck and trailer one a lot. And, you know, Aaron, jo- Aaron Rodgers is a locomotive, you know, where, um, you know, I've also heard the quarterbacks described, do you, do we win in spite of you? Do we win because of you or you in somewhere in the middle where most of the quarterbacks are? And I think Mariota strives to be in the middle. Yeah, somebody should put together like a tiering system of these quarterbacks. That's a good idea. What kind of vehicle are you? (laughs) That would be great. Hmm. Sandoz tiers. Yeah, let's work on that. that. Yeah, vehicular (laughs) tiers. I like it. All right, guys, we're out of time here. Thank you so much, Matt and Mike. Next week, next Thursday, be back with Mike Sando of The Athletic. You got to check out all of his great work at theathletic.com and follow him on Twitter at SandoNFL. Talk to you guys tomorrow. We will preview Sunday's games and review Thursday Night Football right here, Locked on NFL.